Welcome to the Exec MBA Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Twitty, and you are listening to a new episode. On this episode of the podcast, I'm excited to share my recent conversation with Dan Bigger. Dan is a graduate in our Executive MBA class of 2021, and he and I recently connected to talk about his MBA journey, what led him to Darden, the impact of his Darden experience, what he's been up to since graduation, and so much more. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. So without further ado, here's my interview with Dan Bigger. Dan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Brett. It's great to join you. Well, it's great to have you here. Uh, you're in Chicago these days, right? I am. I am. Yeah, I've, uh, my spouse and I moved here in December of 2019 after um, a, a brief stint in Virginia. And uh, family's here. It's home. Um, it's great to be back. The weather is brutal. Um, I think earlier this week it was 22 degrees, warmed up a little bit, but... Uh, Winter is upon us, it feels like. You mentioned Chicago is home for you. Um, is it different being there now as, you know, adult working professional? I mean, does it feel like home in, in a certain way? Yeah, you know, I, uh, so I grew up in Dayton, Ohio, and then moved to uh, Chicago really for, for school. I got recruited to play soccer at Loyola University of Chicago and uh, ended up meeting my spouse there. She was on the women's team. Uh, so we were kind of like uh, the, the couple that that met on the soccer team, and we've uh, we've been together ever since. And uh, you know, her family is from Chicago. My family actually moved, or many of the members of my family had moved from Dayton to Chicago. So now we have this kind of extended family here, and um, amazing friends. And uh, yeah, I definitely consider it home now. All right. Well, tell us a little bit more about you and, and your background. Um, how would you describe yourself? Yeah, um, I would describe myself as somebody that's kind of shaped by the by the different experiences I've had. Um, I'd say my professional career started really in the Marine Corps. Um, I served five years in the Marine Corps from 2011 to 2016. Uh, made the decision to leave the Marine Corps in 2016, and of course moved back to Chicago. One of the reasons why I, I left the, the Marine Corps was to be a little bit more present for family. And uh, I ended up uh, going to Chicago Public Schools Career Fair, got a, got a job teaching uh, high school English in Chicago Public Schools, did that for a little bit, and then really took a step back and kind of figured I, I needed to do, I needed to buy myself some time and space to really figure out what my, my post-military journey looked like. Um, my my spouse and I, we ended up moving to Virginia at that time. Uh, I joined Deloitte Consulting, did that for about two years, and then uh, made, uh, made a difficult decision to leave Deloitte and uh, started, my, started my journey into kind of the nonprofit social impact space. All that time, I was at, I was at Darden um, going through the executive MBA program, um, which which was, it was a definite period of growth, I think, for me. And then about a year and a half ago, I ended up uh, coming back to Deloitte. Um, I'm now working in uh, a leadership development role focused on the firm, supporting the firm's social impact programs. And we can get more into all of that here in a little bit. I've forgotten that you were an English teacher uh, for, for a couple of years. Um, what was that experience like? Well, you know, I, I, uh, it was amazing. First off, um, I'm still in touch with, with many of the students that I had, even in that short, short stint um, as a teacher. 
Um, I have always been a big proponent uh, of the importance of education. I've always been passionate about the field. I studied it at Loyola University and, uh, you know, the Marine Corps was something that I uh, felt really compelled to do and uh, I didn't go right into teaching. But uh, having the opportunity to, to get into a classroom after being in the Marine Corps was frankly one of the best uh, experiences that I could have had. It really took me back to kind of uh, Leadership 101, which I think is building trust with people. I think when you're in the military, you you walk into a room and people can, your brand, your personal brand is really on your uniform. They can tell you what rank you are, you are like, you know, where you've, uh, where you've deployed to, what training you've been to. But when you walk into a classroom with sophomores and seniors, um, and you're just, you know, wearing a button down and a nice pair of slacks, you just better, uh, you just better be real and, uh, you better figure out ways to figure out how to build trust with, uh, with your students. And it was just an amazing way to get out, um, of the military. And, uh, I'm forever grateful for, for the students that I had, you know, as a teacher, you know, your job is to teach them, but I think oftentimes your students can teach you just as much. You mentioned you were an English teacher. Are you somebody who reads a lot? Uh, do, you, do you stay connected to that? Yeah, I definitely stay connected to it. I think I was first drawn to um, kind of education in English because of a love of writing. But um, yeah, I still I still read a lot. My I don't read as much fiction as I probably should. Um, right now, I'm reading uh, Adam Grant's uh, Hidden Potential. That just came out, and uh, so I kind of, I kind of like play a lot in kind of like the leadership development uh, space in, in in my reading, and then I'm a big kind of history buff as well. So uh, I just wrapped up uh, a couple months ago John Meacham's book on Lincoln um, that just came out, and yeah, so I still, I still stay connected to it. I still believe that reading is uh, just a, an amazing, amazing way to kind of. Uh, continue to learn and uh, and grow and gain different perspectives. So Dan, I'm curious. Uh, you obviously separate from the the Marine Corps. You, you teach. You, you go to Deloitte. Um, and at some point along the line, you started thinking about an MBA. What what led you to to thinking about an MBA? So I started thinking about graduate school um, when I was getting out of the Marine Corps. It was a goal that I had had. Um, you know, I I have. I applied to a single school round three when I was getting out of the Marine Corps. You know, if, if for those of you that are in the in the journey of applying to, to business schools, um, you know, applying round three can be very difficult, and it was difficult. I didn't get in, but it was a it was an amazing uh, it was an amazing experience to kind of go through the application process. But it um, kind of put me on a journey of like let's go find a job. Let's go explore some different things that are out there in the civilian world and then start to reevaluate what, what grad school might look like. And over the next three or so years, I, I did just that. I explored MPP programs, MPA programs. Um, I even took the LSAT, explored, uh, explored law school. Um, I ultimately came to pursuing the MBA because I felt like it was the most versatile for what I wanted to do. Um, could I have answered, could, could I, would I have had that uh, response when I got out of the military right away? 
Probably not. I think it was my experience in teaching, my experience in consulting um, and volunteering with with a couple different organizations that I really figured and made a decision for myself that the MBA was just the right degree for me, given uh, the the trajectory that I wanted to take my my career down. And what ultimately led you to Dart? Oh, gosh. Um, well, you know, as somebody that was uh, that didn't get into business school the first time that they tried, um, I was incredibly intimidated by the application process. Um, imposter syndrome was was definitely real for me. Uh, you know, I, having worked, I was working in in uh, in the D.C. metro area at the time, and um, I had made the decision that the MBA was the route the route that I wanted to go, and I. I just started uh, networking and talking to people about their experiences in grad school, specifically in MBA programs. I had a conversation with you. I'll never forget the first conversation I had with you. I was in Crystal City, and uh, I almost, I felt fake the whole time because I wasn't sure if uh, <laughs> if I was saying the right thing. Um, but at the end of the day, it uh, it was the people that that really brought me to Darden. Uh, my, my manager at Deloitte at the time was, was, uh, in the program. Uh, one of my roommates, uh, from the Marine Corps, uh, participated in the program as well. And those are two individuals that, you know, I, I would, I wanted to surround myself with them and people like them. Um, and after having a conversation with you and, and realizing, Hey, like, I think I have what it takes to, to do this. I, I, I took the plunge, uh, applied, and it was some of the best uh, best news I've received in my professional career when I found out I got in. Yeah, I remember that. And, and I, I think, you know, I, I appreciate your talking through the process you went, went through because I think for prospective students, you know, it's good for them to hear this is a journey, right? It's, you know, not just a few months. It's probably a few years for a lot of people thinking through this and maybe also trying out some other ideas, uh, potential graduate school options, uh, maybe getting close to pursuing an MBA, deciding maybe not right now, coming back to it. I mean, there's all kinds of twists and turns along people's paths uh, to to this experience. Um, so you come to Darden, Dan, you're a brand new uh, executive MBA student. Uh, what were those first few months, if you could remember back to being uh, being a new student in the executive MBA program, what were those first few few months like? Uh, wow. Um, I think the, I think the, the biggest surprise, uh, for me, and it was a pleasant surprise was that I was not the only one that felt, uh, overwhelmed by the, by the journey that was ahead of us. Um, there, many of, uh, many of my colleagues in the program shared, shared similar, uh, similar, uh, concerns, worries, excitement at the same time. Um, and just to know that there were there were other people kind of navigating the same uh, same challenges uh, was was incredibly uh, incredibly helpful. Uh, you know, I think you know once the program starts, the program starts, and you're like off and you're running, and uh, you're essentially assuming uh, what felt like another full time job. So it took some adjustment in the in the beginning to kind of figure out how how to kind of build my schedule, uh, to make it work. Um, I was in consulting at the time and, you know, that's a, that can be a very demanding job. So it really challenged me to, uh, 
to, to be very picky about my time, uh, be, uh, be meticulous about planning and prioritizing. And, um, arguably the, you know, those are some of the, some of the best lessons that, sh- that I, uh, that I took away from the program is just being able to perform, uh, at a high level when there's a lot of different stuff going on. And then it's also important to realize, Brett, like I, you know, started in the fall of 2019 and then, you know, an opportunity presented itself to, uh, to change, to change jobs. And I, and I left Deloitte, you know, and, uh, moved to Chicago. So that was all happening, you know, in those first several months, um, of the program. And I, you know, I gotta say, I, um, I always felt like I had it easy because, you know, there were other, other, some of my other colleagues, you know, were welcoming new babies to the world. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm now, uh, I'm now a dad of a 16 month, 16 month old, and I cannot imagine, um, but people do it. It's so, it's so impressive. And I think that's the power of really the, the darting community is that we're all in it together. Uh, we're all growing as individuals, but we're all growing uh, collectively. And that was one of the things that really just pulled me towards uh, the darting community and wanted, I wanted to be a part of it. Uh, so I appreciate so much of what you shared. I want to come back to something that you mentioned maybe at the outset, talking about your experience. I think it could be hard for people in a graduate school setting to say, I'm having a hard time with this right now, or I'm feeling a little overwhelmed with this right now, or kind of open up and be vulnerable in that way. Um, but I think that is so important for people to do, um, because once you open up and you share that, uh, to your point, you find a lot of other people are feeling similarly or, you know, have have those same same kind of kind of feelings. So it sounds like that was your experience. Definitely, definitely. And you know, I even think I think about those some of those early lessons at Darden. I think they translate really nicely to the professional world. Um, I, I you know I look back on you know professional accomplishments that I've had, and there's there's not one professional accomplishment I've had uh, that hasn't had. Uh, the imprint of, of other people that have been either a part of my support network, um, mentors, colleagues, friends, confidants. Um, and I think now in my professional career, I, when I don't know how to do something, I'll, I'll say it and I'll, and I'll try to demonstrate that vulnerability that we first had to kind of demonstrate when we were rolling up our sleeves Q1 of during uh, the Darden experience. And the other thing that comes up a lot when I talk with students is this sort of psychology of the program. I think people are so used to being so high functioning and being experts at everything that they do. And now you're in a curriculum where you're going to take classes, uh, topics that you have no prior experience with, that you may know not very much about at all. And you're having to say, like, I don't understand this or I don't have this all figured out or this is kind of messy. And people are not used to that kind of messiness uh, in, in their life. And that's also part of the journey here, I think. Yeah, definitely uh, helps. Uh, definitely helped me kind of uh, thrive in situations of ambiguity. So what job did you change to uh, during the early, early stages of the program? So um, the, I actually went through a couple different uh, job changes. So the first one, uh, when I left Deloitte for the first time, I went to an organization called With Honor. Um, that's a that's a nonprofit that worked to uh, support 
military veterans in the House of Representatives um, to the ultimate goal to, was to decrease polarization and to help our government operate more effectively. That was the first uh, first role that I did. It was an amazing experience to kind of like see what, uh, and not, not being like kind of a Washington, D.C. person. I mean, I'm a Midwest Midwest guy, grew up in Ohio, moved to Chicago, like that's kind of how I am. But um, having the opportunity to kind of see how D.C. works was a tremendous experience. Um, and then another opportunity presented itself pretty quickly to uh, move back to Chicago. Um, and then that was that organization was called uh, Bunker Labs, and that supported military veteran and military spouse entrepreneurs and helped them start and grow their own businesses across the country. And I, the the move to uh, Chicago helped me or positioned me to lead up their efforts, really like in the middle of the country. Um, so I served as uh, an executive director for the you'd call the Midwest region, and we uh, we we built uh, entrepreneurial ecosystems and communities uh, to help military veterans find access to the right resources so that they could they could thrive post post service and in entrepreneurship. How was your Darden experience helpful to you as you were going through these things? I mean, I know there's a lot of electives that touch on entrepreneurship. Um, obviously, you're hearing a lot of different perspectives in class. I think about maybe your your work around polarization or trying to get people you know to kind of work together politically. I can see how maybe the case method ties to that, but I'm curious your your perspective on these things. Uh, yeah, I I um, you know I'm a big believer. I mean, I, I have spent. It's important to know that I've spent a good chunk of my my post-military journey kind of in the veteran space. Um, I have, uh, I've seen the, the power of, and of individuals to go into communities, to bring people together to solve problems. And that's really like the, the work that energizes me now, you know, specifically for veterans, you know, they're more likely to volunteer in their communities, more likely to vote, more likely uh, to give to charity. So my, my focus when I was uh, working in the veteran space during my time at Darden was to really understand how you can uh, build community around solving a specific uh, problem. And, I, you know, I think where I've really tried to grow over the last uh, specifically couple of years, really after since leaving Darden, has been to kind of um, still acknowledge like the importance of veterans in addressing some of society's challenges, but also figure out ways to pull in others to those, uh, to addressing those challenges. So, you know, one of the programs I support right now uh, supports K through 12 school leaders to help them be more effective in their school community. There's a lot of research that connects uh, high performing school leaders with improved student outcomes. Um, and those, uh, and, and school leaders are, I like to think of them as like a, like a hub and spoke impact model, you know, they are sitting set in, in the center of a, of a school community, influencing teachers, influencing students, but also other stakeholders within that community. So then, so then the question for me that I ask myself is like, now what's next? So, you know, veterans have this ability to, to go lead change, school leaders do as well. What's the next group of, of leaders that I, that I want to support? And that's, um, that's kind of the journey that I'm, I'm on right now, Brett. So what led you from Bunker Labs to uh, back to Deloitte? 
Well, I, um, so while I was at Bunker Labs, I co-founded an organization called Veterans for All Voters. Uh, the mission of that organization was, is to mobilize veterans to serve as advocates, to advocate for um, important election innovations to make our political system less toxic and more competitive. Um, so that was taking kind of like the, the, um, the clear commitment that like many veterans have to continue serving and then trying to mobilize them in a way to bring about system level changes to, to really change and improve our, our existing systems. Um, so I did that first and then uh, that organization, organization was like taken off and it's, and it's doing, doing really well. But, uh, you know, life changes, Brad. And I said 16 months ago, uh, I welcomed a, I welcomed a, a little, little one to the world uh, with my spouse. And uh, I was looking for something a little bit more, um, a little bit more stable. I think, you know, when you're building nonprofits, when you're running nonprofits, it can, it, it can be tough. And, uh, you know, I think uh, I was looking for something just a little different. And I think there's a lot of benefit to, uh, you know, I'm still in the social impact space at Deloitte, which I'm, which I'm super fortunate and grateful for. Um, but there's always opportunities to up your game. And I think sometimes um, joining a larger or joining an ar- a larger organization can help, uh, help kind of uh, help you see some different ways to kind of tackle different problems. You can get, you can, uh, you know, talk with colleagues that have different experiences, but when you're in a, when you're in a smaller organization, sometimes your, your network can be, can be a little smaller. And I think uh, being at a firm like Deloitte, there's so much expertise across different parts of the firm that I can kind of in this offer that I'm in this position now where I have this opportunity to learn about, you know, how, uh, how to design, you know, world-class leader development programs, how to manage them, what, what goes into the, into like the backend support of, uh, delivering really transformational leadership development experiences. And it's been, it's been an amazing opportunity. I, I, I love my job, frankly. (laughs) So I'm struck like, uh, I didn't also, I mean, I I always learned so much through these conversations about what our students have been up to since graduation. (laughs) I'm I'm struck by the nonprofit um, that you, you helped get started uh, veterans for, for all voters. You mentioned uh, you were not when you came to the previous organization with honor that you were not really kind of a D.C. political person. Obviously, you had exposure to it through that role. How did you what kept you engaged with this kind of voting uh, ish thing? Like, uh, obviously, to start a nonprofit, it seems like something that you're passionate about. So. Yeah, I am. I actually I think I think politics is actually I have like an aversion to politics. Um but what I am deeply passionate about is figuring out how to how to make this American experience work for a, a vast majority of our people. And I think, um, you know, my my personal and professional journey has has shown me um, different sides of of American society, both good and bad, um, both both areas of strength and areas of incredible opportunity. And, uh, you know, I'm on a, I'm on a mission to, to position other, other leaders to see the problems or address the problems that they see in their communities. And that's really like my professional theory of change is, um, I can't go and solve all the, all the world's problems. That's, that's for dang sure. None of us can, 
but all of us can um, keep our eyes open, see uh, see what's wrong in our own community, and then build a team around uh, around that problem set and and figure out how to address it. Um, yeah, does that answer your question, Brett? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, and so, um, how did you? I mean, you mentioned you had these experiences that kind of pushed you to this kind of definition of how, how you thought about you know uh, change or or um, you know, what, what you really wanted to put your energy towards, but was there a particular experience or something that, that kind of stands out uh, to you that sort of crystallized this for you? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of different experiences. I think, um, so when I first got out of the Marine Corps, I was teaching in high, I was teaching high school English, uh, you know, 98% of my, of my students were below the poverty line. So going from uh, going from the military community where, um, you know, when you're in uniform, your needs are pretty much addressed, no issues really, um, to leaving the military and then working in a school where there was, uh, you know, uh, just a, a level of um, inequity uh, that was, uh, that was based in history and um community it was it was eye-opening for me and i'm like and you know i grew up you know below the poverty line in dayton but my experience growing up was vastly different from the experience of my students and you know i kept kind of like wrestling with these problems of like why 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 are these why are these certain communities in a cycle that like can't be broken or it's very difficult to break what what's causing that? So I'm like, so I, so a lot of the problems that I wrestle with, like have to do with, um, you know, are our, our institutions and our systems designed to meet the needs of uh, the people? Um, like, I, I also think about like all of the benefits that I had received growing up. I mean, um, you know, I had amazing people around me, coaches and teachers to kind of help me navigate Growing up, when I got to college, I was like a recipient of the Pell Grant, and you know I uh, got a lot of need-based scholarship, and that's all because of our institutions. Like our institutions were set up to to help me thrive, and I don't think that many of our institutions are set up to help all all thrive. So like that's why I'm kind of on this mission to kind of level set the playing field just a little bit so that we can. Uh, so that we can ensure everyone um, in this country has has a fair shot at at uh, making something of themselves, which connects obviously back to the book I'm reading right now. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, these are the problems that I that I love love wrestling with. And Darden was definitely uh, one of those uh, one of those experiences that really started to kind of push me towards thinking through how I can, as an individual, show up in the world in a in a more effective way. How do you feel like your dark experience pushed you uh, to that? There's a lot of, uh, you know, I think everything starts with uh, yourself and, and really peeling the onion back on understanding yourself. And I think that was, that was one of the greatest gifts that Darden challenged me to do that, you know, there, there are specific classes like uh, Andy Wicks's uh, ultimate questions class that really challenged me to, uh, uh, 
think through the think through the questions that I needed to figure out answers to for myself so that I could go off into the world and show up as my the best version of myself. Um, but yeah, I think the journey at Darden was really one of like of self-discovery, which in turn helped me figure out what I wanted to do and also just as importantly, what I did not want to do with my professional career. Yeah, I'm always struck. Um, I, I will say, I mean, coming from law school to business school, I really did expect graduates to talk a lot more about all the technical stuff that they had learned. And I, to a person on the podcast, there is so much discussion around like their own sense of self and the self-understanding that comes through this experience. Is that something that you expected to be part of your MBA program? Let's say I was hoping for it. Um, I, uh, but I was pleasantly surprised to kind of see how it all manifested. Um, I did not go to business school uh, to learn finance or accounting. Um, I learned some of that. I might forget some of it now at this point, but I have the resources to go and get the information that I need if I need to, if I need to get smart on finance and accounting. But um, yeah, the, the, the biggest, uh, the biggest benefit of, of business school for me was, was that, was that self-discovery journey that it took me on. And uh, you know, like I said, it, it, without the input of, of my colleagues and professors that I Revere. I mean, I still, I still look up to many of the, many of my old professors and you know follow them and follow their work. And um, I wouldn't be where I'm at without them. I mean, that's just full stop. I think the the technical skills that that we did learn during the program uh, are definitely secondary to uh, kind of the self discovery journey that I was able to go on during the program. Well, Dan, uh, you're somebody who stays busy. Um, congratulations on the new addition to your family. Also something I didn't know about uh, before this podcast conversation. But what are you looking forward to in the uh, in the coming months? You know, I'm, uh, I am, uh, you know, I don't know if you like uh, are supposed to admit this, but I'm in this phase of like really trying to slow down just a little bit. And like, you know, I have a 16 month old at home and, uh, you know, he's the, he's, he's our world right now. And, uh, I'm trying to be as present as I can for him. Um, and for my spouse, of course, who's carrying a majority of the load. Um, she's, uh, inspired, inspires me every day. But, um, you know, I, as I look towards, you know, maybe the next couple months, you know, uh, his name's Gene. So Gene will be, uh, Gene will, Gene will be, uh, two next summer. And I think at that point, like maybe I'll, I'll, uh, I'll start, grinding a little bit more on uh on some of the professional goals that i have but i kind of uh i'm in this phase of uh my professional journey I'm a little bit of like a professional sabbatical kind of slowing down a little bit reading a lot um thinking a lot writing um to kind of figure out like how i want to show up uh you know as uh as a professional as a dad as a husband um and i think that's that's really where i'm at right now you mentioned writing as being an interest uh, to you. What what do you write about? Uh, really, anything that's on my mind. Uh, so I I journal. I think that's that's uh, one of my one of my practices. Um, and through that, you know, you uh, you 
when there's a lot going on in the world, um, I think sometimes journaling can just kind of help you kind of get your thoughts and ideas down on, down on paper. And um, I think one, it's good for mental health, but <laughs> two, uh, for me, it just kind of, it helps me think about like how I, uh, how I want to continue to show up in the world. I think I'm always going through this, uh, this process of, uh, evaluating and reevaluating what I'm doing um, in a given period of time to to make sure that it is calibrated in the direction that I that I want to go and in terms of where what and also like recognizing like there are phases of phases of life I think sometimes I in my 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 previous self probably was like there's one there's one pace that life needs to go and like go that way. Um, I think having uh having a little one has like forced me to slow down just a little bit and be a little bit more uh a little bit more thoughtful about how I want to move move forward. And writing just kind of helps me thoughts down. Well, Dan, uh, what's a piece of advice you would share with our prospective student listeners? Something you would encourage them to think about as they go forth on their own MBA journeys. Yeah, I um believe in yourself. Um, you know, I think there's, uh, at least for me, I mean, I was, I was, uh, I was never great at taking standardized tests. Uh, you know, I did well enough to get into Darden, but I was never, never good at it. Uh, so like, you know, that, that's just one barrier that you have to have to hurdle, um, have confidence in your story. So like when you're, when you're writing your essays and thinking through the, your re- your personal reasons for for why you want to go to Darden. Um, just find you know figure out your story and 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 try to tell it in a way that uh, is authentic. Because I think at the end of the day, if you can if you can submit an application that is authentic, grounded in your experience and grounded in your in your goals, you're gonna you're gonna be successful. Um, and there are so many, uh, so many ways to, so many ways that different types of professionals can benefit from uh, the Darden experience. That uh, you know, if you're asking yourself the question, "Is Darden right for me?" You're asking yourself the right question. Um, you just kind of gotta like figure out, figure out your own answer. Yeah, I think I was talking with some of our residential students about this uh, in another podcast episode, but. There's so much noise out there on the internet, Reddit, all this kind of stuff where people are offering their thoughts on why you should do this program or that program. But at the end of the day, it's your experience, right? So you got to figure it out for yeah. yourself and stay focused on what really matters to you. It can be hard to do, though. Absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely hard. Let me ask you a question as, as a book person. Um are there any any books that you've read in the past couple of years? I mean, as you've been on this journey, thinking a lot about who you are and where you want to put your time and, and your energy, are there any books that have had impact for you? Um, well, so there's a book called The, the Politics Industry, um, which was uh, which was kind of, uh, you know, Oprah says, like, books that have wings, you know you read them, you throw them across the room because they're so transformational. The politics industry um, was definitely one of those. It, it was written by Catherine Gale and Michael Porter, who's a uh, strategy professor at 
HBS. And, uh, that was, that was the book that kind of launched, uh, my co-founders and I to start, uh, veterans for all voters, um, kind of laid out the framework for how we can, uh, bring about system level changes to how we, uh, conduct elections to, to really ultimately reduce polarization, but also just get things done for, uh, for people, for people in our country. So. That was the that was probably like the most transformational book that that I've read over the last couple of years. But uh, there's so many. I, I I'm reading Heather Cox Richardson's book right now, um, which is phenomenal. I think, like I said, figure when you when you start to kind of anchor our current experience in history, um, it gives it for me at least it gives me a lot of hope that like we're gonna we're gonna be okay and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna navigate these challenging times um and coming on the come out on the other side uh better than where we were when we started well dan thank you so much for making some time uh, out of your day uh, for the podcast it's always great great catching up with you and thanks uh uh thanks for sharing your story and and for, for being so candid here and also congratulations on everything uh that you've been up to um that's the best thing about these kind of interviews is i get to learn so much about what our alumni have been doing uh, since they graduated with the program and uh, there's always no shortage of updates so congratulations thanks brad it's great to be on and uh good luck to all the prospective students out there and that was my interview with dan Vega, a graduate in our executive mba class of 2021 as always, if you have any comments, suggestions, requests, anything you'd like for us to cover here on the podcast, we're all ears. We can be reached at exec, that's E-X-E-C, NBA at dart.virginia.edu. Till next time, stay safe, be well, and thanks for listening.